Get more confidence, dates, and sex. Build the relationships and lifestyles you really want. DatingSkillsReview.com presents a training program for dating with, with different world-class experts in every single episode. Teaching you the secrets to their skills and success. Dating Skills Podcast, the podcast for men. Hey there, we are at episode 35 and today, for the first time, we're going to look into the porn movie industry and what valuable sexual skills and other knowledge we can find there. Something I strongly believe in, actually this is really a founding principle we had for Dating Skills Review, is that for the most effective learning in the dating, sex and relationships era, you need to really be open to learning from any source of knowledge. Often, there are some real gold nuggets of knowledge to be learned from someone who has led a more extreme kind of lifestyle. So something that you maybe not want to do yourself, but they've gone a lot deeper and they've got into the finer details of a different lifestyle and they've really got submerged and as a result have noticed and learned things that most people don't. So while you probably aren't interested in becoming a porn star, or living a lifestyle as intensively sexual as today's guest, keep an open mind. Because there's a lot of really good advice in today's interview that you can apply to your sex life and relationships, no matter who you are or what your goals are. We're talking to a porn star with an extensive CV, Marcus London, who has featured in nearly 400 films. He's won two AVN awards, that's Adult Video News, which is kind of like the Oscars of porn, and now also directs. Marcus has had sex with around 1,400 women in his lifetime, and many of these are from before getting into the porn movie industry, as we'll hear in the interview. For the last three years, Marcus has also been working with Two Girls Teach Sex, a company that works with porn stars to develop DVD and video training programs to help men develop better sex and relationship skills. A couple of the areas he has taught programs on are squirting orgasms, for which he's particularly well known in the porn industry, and sexual stamina. The real value I saw in this interview is how candid Marcus was. Beyond the practical tips taken from his extensive sexual experience, he also busts open many myths about sex that have been popularized by the porn industry and gets down to the basics of what makes good sex. If you've watched a lot of porn and it has influenced your ideas about sex, which probably includes pretty much any guy today and most of the girls, this interview will be really useful to you to reset those ideas and get your expectations and approach closer to the reality of good sex and pleasuring women. After today's interview, I'll answer a question sent in by Simon about penis size and its importance. That's a big concern for many men. As always, I'll tell you where to get the show notes, transcripts, and links to useful resources at the end. Enjoy the interview. Marcus, I have to say, like, in, in your videos, you, you kind of come across as, I'd say, chivalrous. <laughs> is, that how, is that how your friends describe you? I'm the James Bond of porn, didn't you know? <laughs> yeah, that's, it's not really the stereotype. No, it isn't, no. I've totally broken that mould. Um, I wouldn't say, I, I mean, obviously I'm from London, but I come from, I was born in Hampstead Heath. I come from the posh end, I guess you could say, and I've grown up pretty, pretty well in that respect. I haven't kind of... Uh, wanted for anything so i wouldn't say i'm silver spoon fed but i'm pretty okay um so i guess i've, I've always 
you know, kind of mixed in a, in, in a good circle. As much as I've been around bad ones, I've been around very good ones. So I guess my speech comes out a little bit more kind of classier than the, hello, mate, how's it going? All right, you know. Although you, you know, can so do it very well. I can do it because I'm around, I'm, I've been around it. You know, I've worked in so many different facets in, in London in all kinds of manners of, uh, we'll get into that. Um, so, yeah, I, I guess I come across a bit chivalrous, but I guess that's because, you know, I, I like to treat women a certain way and I talk to them a certain way. And that's relevant to my success in porn, but also in, in, in being being with women in general. You know, I, I found that, you know, if you treat them the right, right way and you talk to them the right way, um, you get more things out of them. You gain more respect and you get more in the, the long end of the day. So I've stuck with a certain way of being uh, around women, especially, and of course, you know, in business. So, Yeah, excellent. Well, I, th- I think it works well for you. <laughs> it, it really fits. It seems to. Yeah. So how, how old are you now? Getting, I'm actually 45, so I'm 40, getting old. 45, yeah, you're, you're looking okay still, you know. You're getting oh, yeah, by. thank God. You know, I'm, the, the, I'm, 40s, I'm, the, the 40s, it's more like yeah, 30s. Yeah, it's 30s, right? Yeah, 30, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> in, in one of your interviews I saw, you mentioned that you had slept with a lot of women uh, before mm-hmm. becoming a porn star. Right. Yeah, yeah, way before. Oh, yeah. Have you? Can you give me some kind of rough estimate of you know how many that we're talking about here? About five hundred, I would think. Yeah, that's that's Quite a lot. That's a that's a big number. Uh, so I kind of wanted to get into that a little bit because you know you know you know we talk about dating advice and sex advice and the ho- the whole slew of it. So you know, meeting girls is a little bit of a part of that. Like that's you know, it's a pretty incredible number. I think that's outlandish for most guys well, to actually. What's think interesting. Of. No, it's a, a huge number. But what makes it even more outlandish? I was in twenty-seven years of relationships while I managed to sleep with five hundred women. <laughs> So, you you do the math on that. I probably only had four years of freedom in twenty seven. Wow. So obviously I wasn't the most faithful of men. Uh-huh. Um, obviously, um, but yeah, I think it, it had a lot to do with my careers because I went from and obviously we're jumping into my background. I went from before porn. Um, I my first ever job. Uh, I used to work on the cruise lines going oh. around the world, world cruises uh, for P and O cruises. So, of course, already I'm a sailor, port to port, merchant navy, seaman, whatever you call it, okay. women on the boat, girls on ports, different ports, this ports, whatever. And then when I had my nine and 15 weeks off between work, I would be in nightclubs all the time in London. Um, so, of course, that really enabled me, one, because I'm out and about and I'm meeting people, you know, in my job traveling around the world. I'm much more outgoing than the average man, possibly. Right. You had so you had social yeah. nightlife, social jobs, right? Exactly. I had not very much so. So you've got I've gone from if you think running the you know on the boats working as silver service and cocktail barman. Mm. So I have contact with constant people. Then I've gone from that to running my dad's pubs and bars for many years, going to nightclubs straight after the bar, you know, and being there till four, five, six nights a week. Yeah. Then a mouse stripper for ten years. Then running ah, strip clubs. Right. So you may, I, I, well, I'm, I'm seeing st- the progression here. I wasn't aware of your 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 male yeah. stripping. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, all those manner of different jobs have put me in front of women constantly, and have gone from me being a barman, which you know, I, I had more, I guess, successful women as a barman than as a porn star because they come for a drink, I flirt with them, I chat them up, I give them a free drink, and next minute we're sleeping together. You know, it, it, that's kind of how it kind of worked. Then of course from that to running strip clubs. Now I'm working with 300 strippers mm. and their manager. Do the, do the math, you know. Whether they're into me or not, 
I'm going to get a piece one way I like it. You know, even if I'm useless at, at whatever, I'm going to get more than the average male. So between that stripping, going to do five or to seven different strip joints a night, going as a, as a male stripper, whether it be restaurant based, whether it be club, hotel, private house, you know, I'm I'm the man they're going to abuse. <laughs> right, right, right. And that, like- right? and women are worse than us. When we go to a stripper. Or we go and have a strip job. We sit on our asses and we're like quiet and we don't do too much. But women, they will rip the clothes off your back as a group. When a group of women get together, it's a dangerous situation. I've been handcuffed in a bar in Hendon naked as a policeman for three for an hour. You know, I've been scratched. I've had wow. my G-sting pulled up my and cut myself to pieces. I have had women literally rape me in the street try and pull my pants down and give me a blowjob while I'm trying to get in my car after finishing the job. So, you know, technically speaking, when you get women together in that kind of situation, they're fearless. Wow. So, obviously, when you combine all that to the person that I am naturally, of course I've had a lot of success. You know, I don't think anyone couldn't have a lot of success, you know? Right, it seems like, I mean, it's also been like, it seems like it's been a pretty smooth transition because, you know, I mean, a lot of people work in bars and, you know, I've had experience in bar and there's definitely that, that factor helps you with the girls, right? The girls come up to the bar and, and so on. And, and you just kept kind of moving up, you know, m- up that ladder into more sex, yep. sexual jobs, you know, even, even more social positions. Yep, exactly. And I think that was, I mean, that was a good, a good position for me to be in because obviously being from the bar, I'm already extremely open at talking to people. I know how to talk to women. I, it, it became my job. Mm-hmm. Whether I wanted to, that was my job. Make them feel good, make them buy a drink, make them want to come back. And of course, in the process, obviously, I get them to like me. And I like, I know how to t- deal with women. I know what works. I kind of, that's my job. My playground is learning how to flirt with women. So, you know, and make people feel good. So from that to running a nightclub or a strip club, again, very social, having to deal with customers, male and female, and of course, strippers, obviously, and then becoming a male stripper and, you know, doing that on the, on the backside of running the bars at the same time, um, and then becoming, uh, doing photographic nude modeling to eventually do softcore and then hardcore photographic magazine work and then hardcore porn, you know, it really was a, a step ladder to the summit. Uh, of what of really the height of sexual contact with the opposite sex right would you say like because there's an interesting aspect of like how kind of men learn about their sexuality would you say it was kind of like a step-by-step progression and you know you're not thinking about the ultimate you know you're gonna sure don't don't even have that like dream of being a porn star one day and having an idea of that lifestyle but it's kind of something that you slowly get sucked into in your mind and your your outlook changes as you go kind of deeper and deeper mm-hmm. that, in that direction. Yeah, I think, you know, um, again, I had a lot of sex, obviously, for those reasons in, in the fact that I was in the bar yeah. industry, yeah. The, the, the stripping industry and all that. And, of course, I realized from doing that I had a lot of experience with a lot of different women, which taught me a number of things anyway. Um, I even, you know, and I even found out a little bit about squirting at that point, and mm-hmm. we'll go into that again. Um, and... That transition from, you know, having sex with women, multiple women, um, regularly, every night, two or three times a night, whatever. Um, I even had girls phoning me up and referring me or referring their friends to me. You know, I, I, I met this girl, and I can't remember what I was doing at the time. I think I was probably running the bars or something. 
And I would slept with this girl, and then literally she said, could I give you my, my friend's number? And I'm like, well, why would I want your friend's number? Well, because I think she'd want to fuck you. And I'm like, is this a fucking referral? <laughs> Interesting. And then she literally said, can you give her a call? I was like, fine. I called her, and I said, hi. And she said, hey, I said, you're, you're a good fuck. I went, uh, yeah, I guess she said that. And she was like, um, do you mind if I come over? I'm like, <laughs> be my guest. <laughs> come on. And and it, it was it was strange. It was bizarre and funny enough. And they... They came over. She came over, and I fucked her as well, and whatnot. And you know, that was kind of that was not an unusual situation. You know, um, it was it was it was bizarre. And I had the same thing with strippers. I literally went to a strip club in Birmingham, a great strip, had a lot of fun mm. for a weekend with my friends. And I I was there for four nights, and every single night I took a new stripper home. And the one I really wanted in the beginning, I didn't get to the fourth night. And you know, she was like, you know what? I would love to slept with you, but you fucked my three friends. I'm like, well, they must have fucked me for a reason. And eventually, I fucked her as well. It was, it was bizarre. It was. It's still to this day, I find it hard to believe. Um, but people want what other people got, and I guess, you know, I guess you can handle yourself a certain way. And women are interested. They get, they get caught into that trap of wanting to know what did she have, and what did she get, and I want to try that. And you know, it works. Well, it's, it sounds like you. You know, you developed a reputation for good sex, and you know, as we know, girls talk uh, about about these things. Sure, for sure. I, I think really what it was when you say good sex, what I think the biggest problem, and this is this goes across the board with mm-hmm. most males, especially regular males, not so much porn, but regular men mm-hmm. that are out there on the pool looking for women. They have one thing on their mind, and that's to fuck a girl that they fancy or whatever, and come and leave. Right, and that's all. But the problem is, if they don't please the woman in that time factor that they have with these people, these women, what they do is they then they damage their own reputation. Mm. And what then, if they do an amazing job, and it sounds like it's a job, but it's not. But it, it, we, I have to look at it that way because it is my job. If they do an amazing job and they give a woman a lot of pleasure, that can only benefit them in the long term, whether it be the woman wants to stay with them or whether she talks to her friends about that guy. Right. And, of course, as you said, the women talk, that gets around, and the guy becomes a superstar. But most guys couldn't care about that. They're just looking at a numbers game. But what they're forgetting is if they did this right, they would be the head of the numbers game. And I just think a lot of guys miss that. And even when I slept with women that I wasn't interested in and was not into, I still gave them 110% because I didn't want that to floor my reputation. Mm-hmm. Was that, so that was again, actually something you were thinking about? You were thinking about your reputation? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was like, you know what? I don't want the one girl to go out there and say, yeah, he was useless. I, I, that would be terrible. That would be horrible. You know, that's just the same as someone saying he's an arsehole, he's nasty. So I try and be nice to everyone, and I, anyone I fuck, I try and fuck him well. Because right, right. that's the whole thing. Well, that's, you know, that's a good rule um, in life in general. Be nice to everyone. Yeah, and I think I just, I just, I guess I treated my sex life that same way. You know, mm-hmm. do business as I would physically, and this was my business. So I just, and I don't know whether that was just an ego thing, you know, back then when I was very young and I, I carried that on, or if that was really I, something that I felt was important. You know, I think it probably, probably was an ego thing more than anything. That I wanted to be perceived as being really good, mm-hmm. you know. And, and, and I guess that's what's trans, transported me to where I am and what I do today. And I approach everything I do, everything I do, the same way. If I can't do it well, I won't waste my time doing it. Right. Yeah. right. Well, that's a, that's a great attitude. I mean, I think you're going to say right. that your, your, you know, your personal lifestyle didn't really change that much. But I'm going to ask you this anyway. Like, when you actually made the transition to porn star, did you find that your sure. personal 
you know, your personal sex life, that changed as well, or, you know, or wasn't there really any change? Um, it, it's it's kind of hard to really put my finger on how, if it changed. Um, I think it developed differently. I, I don't think it changed. I just think it, it's hard to say because my my interaction was not with the general public anymore. The people I was having sex with were all porn stars. I never went outside. Very rarely did I go outside of the network of, of, of porn because you don't really meet people outside of porn. When you're in porn, you don't really mix with anyone else. Hmm. Um, I'm not a person, since I've been in America, I mean, obviously, when I was in London, it was different. And it was, you know, when I was a porn star in England, it was different. But when I was here, when I've been here, for one, I never really went out that much. Um, and if I did, it was with other porn people. Um, so we was in that porn environment. And, you know, there were women, obviously, that come up to me that obviously would know who I was or, or found out and then obviously wanted to try me out and whatever. So there was some mm. non-porn women I would be with, but very limited, actually. Very limited. I mean, I could probably count the, the non-porn women on, on both hands in the last five years that I've been with, you know, um, other than maybe swinger females that are in the swinging community. But for straightforward women off the street, hardly any. Mm. Um, so it's, it's just a- not been that so it's kind of it's kind of a case when you go into the porn industry, it's it's it it really is going to have a big impact on your life. Yeah, that's kind of what you're saying. Yeah, it's it's going to think, it's going to define you, you, your relationships. Yeah, yes, definitely. I mean, if you want to speak about some of my best friends, Tommy Gunn, one of the biggest stars in the business. Hmm. You know, in the last ten years, he's had three relationships, and they've all been porn stars. Right. Because it's very hard as a as a porn male to find a, a, a non-porn female that wants to have a relationship with a man that's having sex with other women constantly. There's very few women that can deal with that. Right. And you could imagine, and, and if you flip that, you flip that the other way. There's probably very few men that really care about a woman that could deal with that woman having other sex with sex with other men and have her coming home to him every night. It's not something that most regular people can deal with because sex, unfortunately, is extremely personal to most people. Whereas to us, it comes just a commodity that we live with and we work alongside and feelings and silly things like holding hands is way more important mm. than who you're sticking your dick in because that's normal but you hold hands with another person on the street that's like well, hold on that's private you can't be doing that so our way of looking at life is very different to the average person mm. so does this like i mean of course you got the porn movie scenes where where you were with different women sure. does but does that also translate yeah. into your your lifestyle because you know you're married now to Devon Lee who's a porn star also right yes um and yeah. so what is your relationship like like outside of the actual work do you also like sleep with other people as well and that's kind of like norm within the porn industry it's kind of like how people do it they've got open relationships and so on and it's it's very much like that in most cases, there are an awful lot of people that have that swinging attitude that go out to parties mm. and have sex with people for fun and, and do it off camera. Because obviously on camera is not as much fun, obviously, as off. It right. doesn't matter what you do. It really isn't. So a lot of people have adopted that, and more so since I've been around because I was one of the first to do this, and believe it or not, and, and I've got a lot of people in my industry into that situation and, and, and the website that a lot of us are on mm. um, and have done that. Um, necessarily not something that Devon was ever into and, 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 you know, got into because of me more than anything, although she was quite happy with just being with me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've kind of pushed her down that, that road. And But although now she's totally gone against that and she's totally not into that and, and pretty much she isn't really shooting scenes anymore either. Um, because like anything, I think after 8 to 10 or 15 years or whatever you're in the business, 
you your your mental attitude changes towards that, and you, there's a, there comes a time when it's like that. Enough's enough. Mm. Uh, you can only have so much good sex, bad sex, whatever, and you realise that you you need to kind of tone it down and have something that's private and that's just for you now. Mm-hmm. And I think everyone comes to that. All my friends, all my close friends that have been in the business for a long time are at that point now mm. where they don't really want to share what they have on camera with others. They don't really want their girlfriend or their wife being seen on camera anymore. Right. I think it's an age thing. I think as we get older, you know, we start thinking, you know what, it was great when we were young, but we're not young people anymore and I don't really want to, to display this anymore. Mm. So, so, you, so, so you said Devon's kind of gone that route. So you, you sound like you're yeah. going the same way. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not into honestly now having sex with random people anymore. Yeah. I'm that part of my life is over. Um, I, it's it's empty sex now compared to what it used to be. I used to get a big thrill out of it. I don't get that no more. Um, the only thrill I still have is is making women squirt. That's my biggest thrill for the first time. That's what does it for me. Um, but again, even that. Um, outside of work is not something that I will I will do much anymore if so, at all. So apart from work, which I'm trying to limit my my exposure now and, and work on more direction and production and mm-hmm. uh, invest in, in movies and get more mainstream things on the go, which is really where I'm I'm heading. Um, that really is is where I'm I'm kind of towing the line now and, and trying to slow down in front of the camera and be more behind and, and, and production-wise and stuff like that. And different, obviously, businesses that I can get my fingers into. Um, just because I feel that, you know, I've, I've, I've had my time. I've done 12 years or more in this business. And, you know, it's time to be normal again. I, I want to be a little bit more normal, you know. And, and I know a lot of people don't look at us as normal. We are very, very normal, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. We're no different to anybody else out there. We just have a little bit more experience. We've had different, you know, life-changing events that have happened because of our sexual... Uh, prowess whatever um but there comes a time when that has to be you know put put aside and it's time for me to put it aside and be normal <laughs> well you know, as normal as- you know it's, it's <laughs> like i i think there's obviously a lot of stereotypes and is you know especially for younger guys um you know who may be listening yeah. to this podcast you know 19 year olds and 17 year olds they're sure. watching porn these days you know obviously has a huge influence over the way they think it's probably you know for many of them it's the first you know, first view and yeah. perspective on sex they get, right? So it kind of molds yeah. them. So it's, it's. I really appreciate you know, kind of laying everything out there, like you know how things are being for you and, and how it how it is today and, and kind of the changes there. It's, it's it's really, you know, it's really good to hear like some something authentic about you know how it really is. Um, like talking about you know the influence of of, of porn basically on on men today. Uh, uh-huh. I mean, like I say, it really molds the way they think about good sex yep. when it, it sets their expectations and, you know, yes. what they think it's going to be like and how it should be. So, you know, whether or not they think they've had good or, or bad sex after the, after the fact because they're setting it against that standard. How would you say porn movie sex compares yep. to the best real world sex? Like, according to you, um, is it the same? Is it different? Um. I don't really think there's a comparison. And unfortunately, and I found this a lot being in this business, I found that a lot of women, even though they're not in porn, have unfortunately adopted that they like certain things that they probably didn't like before, but because they've watched porn, they think it's right. Like, for instance, you know, I've had sex with women, and, I mean, maybe it's me, I don't know. Again, maybe you'll know this because, you know, you're a normal guy in the normal world and you've had sex with women, whatever. I've had girls... But, and before porn, I never experienced this. Mm. I had girls that would give a blowjob and would do that deep throat gagging 
like literally trying to choke themselves on me. Right. And before porn, I'd never experienced that. You know, girls didn't do good blowjobs like that. They just gave a regular, normal blowjob, which to me is great and fine, and, I, and that's how it should be. But then I get in a porn, and then they know, they know I do what I do for a living. And then these regular girls are literally trying to act like a porn star with me. And I'm like, why are you, why are you doing that with it? And no cameras around. What the, what's the point? Mm. It doesn't feel good. You know, and I think a lot of women saw this, tried it. Maybe they like it. Maybe it's something they're, they're getting into. Maybe they've kind of sworn themselves into being into that kind of form of blowjobs, whatever. But they, I've noticed women have kind of followed suit as well and have adapted That's to what they've seen on, and, and are, are copying. Just the way men are copying, mm. women are following suit. And I think a lot of people come together and have this mishmash of fake porn sex and think it's the right way to do it and I, I'm kind of surprised and I know that the women I've come across have done that a lot of women that haven't been in porn have done that with me in, in other ways and, and and I've had women say to me oh how am I going to please you you fuck porn stars I'm like well don't be one and then I'll be very pleased <laughs> you know be normal let me have something that's regular right. that belongs to that world and I think people and porn has unfortunately diluted the the reality behind real sex and what is deemed as being the right way to have sex and porn has been responsible for that because it's given imagery it's just the same as in the 50s everyone smoked mm. every smoked because it was cool on tv and everyone did it. every film started it but now you don't see it as much and now less people smoke and i believe that you know we are very programmable by what we see on TV, what we hear on the radio, and we follow suit like a bunch of rabbits and a bunch of sheep and a bunch of mice. And I think that's the problem with porn. We've all started following suit and, and thinking that's how you do it. That's how a porn star does it. I want to be like a porn star. I've got to do it that way. That's not the right way to do it. You know, do what suits you. You know, find your own way. Right. Well, I mean, I, that that's, you know, I think for a lot of people, that's actually kind of something, you know, difficult to do to actually come up with their own you know, idea like get involved in sex from from their own perspective. Obviously, you know, fifty, sixty years ago, um, before there was so much, you know, so much on TV and around you, they didn't have those expectations to immediately kind of start to follow. But um, sure. you know, I, I know so, some of the some of the things you know you've talked about in some of your videos and, and in other courses is you know like you know getting into more intimate sex and yeah. you know, getting more immersed in it, and that's really about reconnecting with kind of like the real sex without the, the social expectations yeah. around it. So it sounds like anyway that you've, you've kind of got this view of like the show that you put on uh, yeah. when, when you're doing the movie versus what you go home and you, and you do, you want to do with your wife and you enjoy it. Sure. Exactly. And to be honest, when I'm on camera now and it really is uh, even in the instructionals and very much so in my feature films, what I've been doing, I will not, perform as a porn star. I will perform how I want to have sex. Right. I've stopped I, for the longest time, In fact, which is why you'll never see me on a Gonzo movie and, and people will not hire me for a Gonzo movie because I will not do acrobatics. I will not do ridiculous stuff that is uncomfortable and not pleasurable. I will do sex how it will best please the woman I'm with and that is how it should be done. And that's pretty much why I think I've had a, a fairly good female fan base because I'm not trying to be anything I'm not. I'm just trying to be connected mm. with whoever I'm with, give her as much pleasure and be very much passionate, uh, passionately uh, into that person because that's how I think people should view real sex. And, you know, I don't want to be one of these people that are displaying something that really is not really very true. Um, and, again, connection and spiritualism and being very much at one with someone is the best way to have sex, regardless of what you're physically doing. 
Mm. Um, it enhances things so much better. You know, I don't care what you physically can are capable of or how big you physically are. That is not going to beat a connection or some kind of interaction with two people that actually really are into the situation. Mm. Um, that cannot be amplified by someone with a bigger dick or someone that knows how to use it by being crazy and doing all these wild positions. Right. You know, that connection destroys that every time. And uh, that's what I try and show as much as I can now. Great. Could you just clarify, what is a, a Gonzo movie? Just, just Gonzo, Gonzo is wall-to-wall sex. In other words, there's no story. There's pretty much no dialogue. It, the camera's very moving constantly all the time. There's no cuts to angles. It's one flowing, seamless shot throughout the scene. Um, and it really is just hardcore fucking without any airs and graces or flair or stylized stuff. And it really, that's really what it is. It's what really made porn come to the service and do extremely well. Um, and, you know, right. that came in and out. It's still big, of course, obviously. Um, but obviously we have a lot more features as well and, and different forms of, as you say, instructionals and whatnot. But Godzo is basically wall-to-wall sex. All right, great. Thanks for that. Uh, so, like... Are there any specific things that are done in porn movies which you would highly recommend that people don't do at home? Because you know, you've, you've mentioned a couple of them already, but is there anything else specifically that comes to mind that you would say, hey, you know, it's really not a good idea to do this. It's not fun for the girl. Um, so, you know, don't, don't I, I do think, I think there's, I mean, porn really, I mean, if we're talking about extreme stuff, when we're talking about putting baseball bats up girls' asses, that's really, <laughs> you know, it, trust me, I've seen it. It happens. Three dicks in an arm. It's not, it's it's circus it's circusism of porn. They want to make mm-hmm. everything a bit circus and see how how many, how many things and how big of things they can put in different holes. That's gonzo for you. That's crazy shit. You know they're trying to outdo other people. Right. I don't think there's nothing you shouldn't try, but I think as long as both consenting adults mm-hmm. are aware of what they're going to do and they can experiment with each other, that's half the fun of sex in general. Finding out what works for you and what works for her. You know, I don't think anyone should stick to one thing and one thing alone. That would be very boring. Mm. That would be probably the end of your relationship. Um, I think you should grow together, practice together, learn together, talk to each other more than anything. Most important thing is communication when it comes to sex. And try and see what works for you both. Because one thing may you may like and one thing she may not like and you know not to do it again. But it, it would be silly to say don't try any of it because I think you should try all of it. But... Don't try all of it at once. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, let's take baby steps and learn with each other and say, okay, I'd like to try anal, but let's just try with a finger first. I don't really want to shove this 10 foot, 10 inch dildo up your ass because that may just cause a big problem. So I just think everything in moderation and taking your time with things and learning things and watching porn isn't a bad thing by any means, but, you know, take it with a pinch of salt. When you read the paper, read between the lines and make your own judgment on it and the same as porn read between the lines look between the scenes and find out what you would like to try and then try it carefully and sensibly and safely yeah excellent so uh one of the things uh you know in the porn industry that you know comes to mind as uh that really the porn industry is brought out is our squirting orgasms right obviously you know before Mm -hmm. the porn industry came around that wasn't something that people knew about and uh you know and it's been kind of made very spectacular in those films um and you've developed a big reputation for this in in the porn industry um so that's one of the reasons we have you here um because you're good at that um so (laughs) Um, say, say I've been watching one of these porn movies with squirting orgasms, and I've seen these great gushes of ejaculate, you know, jumping across the room. Is that something I should expect when I'm giving a girl a squirting orgasm at home? 
the interesting thing is it, it really does vary on the woman. I mean, I'm not going to lie, probably 50%, maybe even more, of those orgasms are faked. They uh. squirt water from a douche bottle into the woman's pussy and then set the camera up and then say go and she squirts it out. That's what a lot of people do because most men aren't able to give it mm. and most women aren't able to do it. So those big crazy ones, and it depends on the girl. You name the girl, I tell you if it's real. Okay. But, you know, because that's literally is I know the girls that can do it and I know the girls that can't. So, you know, there are a situation where a lot of these sites do that. Um, not every girl can squirt or gush. The girls that actually can play with their own clit and make themselves squirt are normally mm. the ones that do that. Right. What, girls can't finger themselves to do that. It doesn't really work that way. And some girls, you can use special toys that will get them to that point, and they can squirt that hard, and it will it will go 10, 15, even 25 feet. You know, it's possible. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen it, and it happens. The Cytherias of the world, the Flower Tucci's, the Jada Fires, mm-hmm. and a number of other girls are able to do that very easily on command, um, but very few. And for a man, for, you know, had I experienced squirting in the real world, only a handful of times. And I had no idea what the hell it was anyway back mm. then. You know, I mean, I'm talking, I'm 20 years old and I've got a girl in the back of my car by a lake and I'm fucking her. I just brought her back from the club that I was telling you I was always going to. Yeah. And uh, I'm fucking her in the back of the car and after we're finished, I go and pull my trousers up and my trousers are fucking drenched. And I'm like, what the fuck? Did she just piss all over me? What the hell happened? Yeah, so, I no cl- so it's complete I accident know. the first time, it sounds. I had no idea. Well, I was fucking and she was squirting. I didn't know. I just, you know, I just thought she was very wet. I didn't think about it. You know, it's the thrill of the moment. And obviously afterwards, I was like, what the fuck did you do to my pants? And she goes, oh, I must have squirted. And I was like, what the fuck is that? Hmm. And she obviously said, well, you know, I come and a lot of comes out. And I'm like, wow, cool. <laughs> And I, I kind of listened. And I was like, "Well, that's interesting." And then, of course, other times that things have happened. And I, you know, then I went on the Merchant Navy Sea route, and I, I went to a lot of ports. And I, I believe me, I in Amsterdam, I had hookers. In this place, I had hookers. In Tenerife, I had hookers. And one of them, while I was fingering her, literally exploded everywhere. And I was like, "What the fuck's happening here?" You know, I was like, "This is crazy." Um, and I asked her, and I, she gave me some backstory. She explained what it was, and 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 of course, from then on, I get. Yes, I'm very intrigued because it was kind of a turn on seeing a woman mm. actually come instead of just, okay, are they faking it? Well, this ain't faking it. I see this. This is visually there. This is real. You know, I can see it, touch it, smell it. It's there. So I got very interested in that because of that reason because I was like, wow, this is, I, I know when a girl's really coming now. I, I don't have to guess, you know. Right. Um, and I guess that was what really got me interested in it from that point on. And, you know, I would, when I had the chance with the right situation, of course, I would attempt to make a woman squirt either unknowingly or, or purposely knowingly. And, you know, I guess I, I learned a little bit from that, but it was only when I got into porn mm. could I really practice that craft because I'm in control now. I can do whatever I want to this girl. So, of course, I would apply that every single scene I ever did and learn. She, Every girl was my little crash test dummy, I guess. I, I think that's you know that that's a, that's an important point you bring up there because you know I've been using this technique uh, for a while now and um, a few years ago um, a girl I I'd, I'd only just met right so 
I, it was the first time we were in bed together, and I tried the technique, um, which you know I tried with many girlfriends before, and they sure. loved it. You know, the, it was actually something they would go and like tell all their girlfriends about, and they'd be like, yeah. "Wow, this amazing thing happened to me!" Right? Um, yeah. So it makes a big impression on them. But you know, for this girl, she was like, uh, "Hey, what what are you? Some kind of gynecologist?" Right? Because <laughs> it was outside of her comfort zone, and it was obviously. You know, it was it was yeah. something that's a bit unusual, and she didn't really know what was going on, and I I didn't set it up properly, right? right. So, um, you know, it's interesting that you bring up that you know you didn't have the uh, you couldn't go out and practice this and really you know refine it until nope. you were in the porn industry. Yeah, because I mean, you know, like like you know what it is. I mean, it's 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 a fairly vigorous movement, and you know you can mm. finger a girl a certain way, but when you do it this way. There is a certain amount of pleasure that will overwhelm a girl straight away and hopefully they will relax enough and just be kind of so overwhelmed they'll just let you do it and then they'll realize afterwards what happened and wow, that felt amazing and that's good. Mm. But there are, like you said, that really are very aware of it and are freaked out by the what's going on and Jesus, you're rough, what's going on? And, and some aren't really that comfortable with it. And if they do have any idea what it is, even then they may be less comfortable because they're like, oh, don't I feel like I'm going to pee myself. Stop, stop, stop. What are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? And I would think most men will come across that. And unless you have the dialogue to back that up and say, look, it's not what you think it's feeling like. It's it's a squirting orgasm. It's going to be very pleasurable. Just relax and let me show you. And if you don't like it, we never have to do it again. You just have to know how to put that to her and make her feel comfortable and let her do it. Sometimes it's good just to have sex first and literally leap off her and do it very fast. And most women will come extremely quickly from that. Mm. But again, like I said, I've had that chance to play around like this and know what works the best for me and for anybody else. Normal guys can never have that option. It's not something that's available to them. So, you know, it helps to be able to have a, a video or, a, you know, something like this where I can say this is how the best way to do it. Have her standing up, have her kneeling. It's going to be easy to make it happen much quicker without as much force and whatnot. And therefore, it makes it easier for a guy to, to try this on a woman without having a bad experience on either party. Right. Well, you, you, there's, there's kind of two bits to this, right? There's, there's what you do with your hands to, oh. to get the physiological yep. you know, reaction from, from mm -hmm. the woman. But there's also this really important psychology aspect, which, you know, I, I, I brought up, yep. you know, the, the discomfort and the girl, you know, is like, what's going on here? And sure. then you also, you also just mentioned the fact that girls often think that they're going to pee, which is actually, like in my experience, that's, that's nearly always the case if she hasn't had this before she yes. she's she's thinking that she's going to pee yeah exactly and, I, and I, I try and make i try and explain this to men like have you ever been in that situation where you're busting to go to the toilet mm. and you've been hanging hanging on you're like oh then think about when you're just about to come it's near enough the same sensation it's kind of painful but kind of good and when it comes out, it's a major relief. It's the same thing. It travels down the same pipes. Mm -hmm. It does the same thing. It's a fluid, a liquid, whatever. The feeling is kind of similar. So, of course, when a woman's going to come that way, she pees that way, and she is going to squirt that way. So, therefore, it comes from a similar area. There is going to be a sensation that is extremely similar, and she will not tell the difference. She will not know which is which. So if she doesn't, if she does hold back because she thinks it's something, then she will limit and in fact prevent maybe herself squirting. And, you know, unfortunately, if she's not made aware of what's going on, she is going to stop it. She's going to want to. She's going to stop that. I'm not going to pee all over this guy. That's terrible. Right. You know, and, and it's knowledge. It's just knowledge. And as long as you can convey that and get her trust, 
you normally, most women will let you do it certainly once, and if they like it after that, well, then they're going to just ask you to do it all the time. So that's the easiest way I can explain it. Yeah, t- totally. So it's, it's my experience as well. Once you know they've got past that um, first thing, it's normally something that they enjoy a lot. Uh, well, but you know what? I mean, we're really talking about what's the point of it now, right? You know, why would you want to give uh, a girl a squirting orgasm? Is this something that you know girls appreciate? Uh, is it different to normal orgasms? You know, why would we want to? Yeah, I mean, it's the same. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, you could say, why does a guy like a blowjob? Why does a girl like fingering her ass when you're fucking her? Mm. It's something different. It has a different sensation. It mm. is a different feeling. Whether it's an orgasm, again. You know, I don't think anyone can say it is, and I don't think anyone can say it isn't. One thing I know is every single woman I've been been with, every single woman I've made squirt, tells me it's incredibly uh, powerful. Mm. It's incredibly arousing. It, it turns them on. It makes them feel amazing. If they feel lightheaded, their legs weaken. Sounds like an orgasm to me. But if it isn't, it's extremely a very powerful experience that they that every woman I've been with, bar a very, very, very small percentage absolutely love it and want it over and over and over again mm. and every girl I make squirt for the first time is one blown away two can't understand what the hell happened and three said can you do it again and can you do it again and oh yeah can you now do it again mm. so you know what if it's not an orgasm well it's damn well close <laughs> as far as I can imagine and why do it well if if a woman that you're with has never experienced it well there's a good reason because it's one thing in her life that she's going to get to experience from you that no one else has been able to do. That's brownie points in my book. Oh, right, right. I mean, my, my experience is uh, they, the girls seem to go around bragging about it afterwards. Yeah, you know, of course. Um, like of course. I, I lived in China for a while and I made one of my girlfriends squirt. And I don't think there's, there's not very many girls in China who've ever done that, right? Um, right. So she went around bragging about it and like, Googling it to figure out what it was and telling all her friends that this new thing from the West existed, you know? Uh, um, so maybe I was responsible for, you know, introducing the concept to China. Who knows? Point, that's, that's why there was probably that big, uh, that big tsunami, though. Who knows? Right. <laughs> Everyone was doing it at the same time. But, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it is, I mean, as much as so many people have done it, there's probably a huge percentage worldwide that have never heard of it and have never even experienced it. Right. And, you know, sexually, that's that's a shame that the women out there that have never had it. And I, I think that every man should at least have the the knowledge to at least try it and try and get a woman to squirt, especially if they're married, because, you know, it, it's a nice thing to give a woman that kind of orgasm. And mm-hmm. if they don't like it, well, guess what? They've never got to do it again. You right. know, no, no loss, no foul. And, you know, at least they get an option to, to try something new, right. you know, right. something different. And who knows, maybe it will change their love life, their sex lives. Maybe, you know, it can do an awful lot of things. Um, and, uh, you know, it's just another form of an orgasm in my book that's worth worth having. Have you, have you got any, like, uh, crazy stories or something that's happened uh, to you when you've been using this technique, something unusual? or you know? I mean, when you, I wouldn't say unusual. <laughs> I could tell you something that's very disgusting. I don't think we want to go down uh, that way. Maybe not that way. <laughs> yeah, I, that, trust me, that, that nearly let me leave the business. But anyway, um, but on the other side of the coin, uh, very extreme senses, and we were talking about very powerful squirters. Mm. I did a scene with a girl. She's no longer with us, unfortunately, um, for whatever reason. And she was an incredible squirter. And I didn't really know. I knew she could squirt, but I didn't know how. And literally... 
within about five minutes of doing the scene, and we're not even talking about fingers here. We're talking about just straightforward sex. I didn't, I dare put my fingers in it. That would have been terrible. Um, we literally nearly destroyed the the huge TV in the house, the VCR, messed up the curtains, the rugs were screwed. I mean, it, she was hitting four walls wherever he was. Every four wall got hit. I mean, it was like, it was wild. It was like, holy crap! Someone just it was like someone turned the hose on. Um, powerful, powerful, powerful square. And I realized then, and we literally had to cover the re- the whole circumference of the room mm. with blankets and cushions and everything just to try and protect some of the electrical equipment. Wow. And the, the cameras got hit, the lights got hit. We're like, we're going to die here today. Um, so yeah, I mean that was that was weird. And I, you know, and you know, I'd had sex with her and played with her, you know, before. And I realized, you know, as much as it's an amazing thing. It's a real curse if you're with a woman that is that powerfully at school mm. because you're going to destroy your bed every single time you right. have sex. And there is no sheet, no plastic sheet that's going to help that. That's not you fun know, for the girl she, either. You know, she has to no, worry about it all the time. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you imagine. I mean, she's terrified. Wherever she goes, you know, you go around to parents for the weekend, that's not going to be great. Right. Explain that one. You know, um, did you explode a gasket? What happened? So, yeah, it, it's... It, it can be a curse as well in some cases, and I think that's extreme cases, but I understood from that point onwards, as much as I want to go the squirts, I don't want to go the squirts like Right, that. right, right. Because I mean, that's, that's, that's extremely rare, right? Uh, so in, in terms of, yeah. like, just to give guys an idea, like, what percentage of sure. girls are, like, the strong squirters? You know, like, that's, I, that's honestly, more remarkable. I would say a couple of percent. I would right, say... Right. Maybe only two, set five max. I mean, not a lot. And I can't it, think of one in the regular world that I've met. Maybe one I've met in the regular world that was amazing. Right, right. And are these, okay. like, are, are these girls, is there something psychologically different about them? Or is it physiological? Or is it just kind of random? Or is it something you would notice? Maybe someone when you're first kind of, like, connecting with her, you you'd kind of think, maybe I she's, think, you know, got this. I think they're very sexually aware people. Mm-hmm. I think. To be honest, most are older women, not younger. Um, very few younger women have that skill. It's something because they know their body. They've under- they understand what it is, their body, they're comfortable with it, they know how their body works, and, and they're, they're good at it. Um, definitely sexually aware, definitely older, definitely a little bit more outgoing. Mm. Um, and I would say, I wouldn't say predator-like, but they're, they're very much, they know what they want. Right. Saying, and they'll get it. What um, I'm thinking about is here, we were talking about the psychological aspect uh, mm-hmm. er- earlier, and even if physiologically a girl could do this, she still has mm-hmm. to be kind of enabled by the psychological aspect. Now, you can help her with that, of course, for the first time. Yeah, it's I'm also just... kind of how far she can go psychologically to facilitate it also, I guess. I think it's like anyone, they have to be comfortable with what they do. And, and if they think for a second that you're not into it, you don't like it or it's disgusting, they will do their utmost to shut it down and make sure it doesn't happen. Yeah. Um, so you may actually be with a square, but she's doing her damnedest to prevent it. Mm-hmm. And some can, not all, some of t- cannot prevent it and they try their best, um, but the body controls that. So, you know, I think if you can be very open with whoever you're with and you be very much like, look, you know, there's this squirting thing. I'm kind of okay with it. If you know if that's something that you're able to do, I, I would love to you know experience it. Or you know, I'd like to try and make you squirt. Mm. Then that would be the way to approach it. Because if she feels you're okay with it, 
then she's obviously going to be no. She's going to have no problems herself. She's going to be like, well, she's good with it. I like how it feels. I'm not going to hold it back anymore. Um, and there are a few women that are able to hold it back to a certain degree. You know, not so much from my fingers, but from most guys or from penetrative sex, mm. they can they can hold it back. Um, very few can hold it back from you know one of my the technique that I use because it's too much. It's, they can't they lose that control. Um, but as long as you make them feel good about themselves and make them realize it's okay then most women will have a much better opportunity and chance to actually squirt while, while doing the right technique, of course. Um, not many can squirt just from being set, you know, have sex, mm. and not many can use the toys or stimulate the clitoris to make them squirt. That is another percentage that you know, is uh, probably in the 10 15% range that can do it that way. Because um, I think there's only, I think 60 75% of most women have never, never actually had that. They all can do it, but they've never actually got that chance to experience it for whatever reason, you know. Mm-hmm. But definitely make them feel good about it, and it'll happen much easier. Right, great, yeah. You totally have to prepare, and you can avoid uh, the kind of experience I had I had that time, uh, which, no, which yeah. isn't fun. You have to kind of backtrack and, like, you know, um, oh, no, right. you kind of get things back to an, a nice vibe uh, with the sex again, so it's something to avoid. And so, you know, obviously as a, as a, as a porn star, stamina is uh, something you have to deal with professionally um so on on set typically how long do you have to be having sex uh for in a scene uh, do you have to perform for very long time periods what you know how does it kind of work it really really depends on so many different variables it mm-hmm. depends on the production whether it be gonzo or not like a, a standard gonzo scene will, sh- will shoot you for 30 minutes to 40 minutes tops mm. um, that may be a one camera gig where they shoot just hard all the way through or it may be a two camera gig where they will take softcore um, from a certain angle and then pick up the hardcore with the, ne- the next camera mm-hmm. or then they shoot one camera and you do a little bit longer and they get as much as they can of the soft and then you carry on with the hard now obviously you have stills to shoot which will normally be shot before the sex so a kind of like you could say like a, uh, a planned out of how the scene's going to unfold but using uh, the still cameras and then you could follow that in the actual sex when you eventually go into video. Um, but it varies. I mean, I've done a five-hour orgy nonstop for five hours. I've done a 20-minute scene. I've done an hour-and-a-half scene. I've done a three-hour scene. It depends on how quickly they shoot it, any problems, how many times you stop, if there's any lighting issues. It, it, it's one of those things that if you go to work, you must, you've got to expect yourself to be having sex for anything from 30 minutes to two or three hours, you know, uh, and, and you can't really gravitate to it's going to be this or that because you don't know. Things can happen. Anything can go wrong. So once you're in that mode, you could be there for a number of hours and you, you, you can't do anything about it. Maybe the girl is a pain in the ass. Maybe she's not really being very nice to you. Maybe that's going to affect how you perform. Mm. Maybe she's going to have a problem because she's sore because she's had too much sex and now you've got to take it easy and she's got to have breaks. You never know what you get. Okay? It's like a crapshoot. You just don't know. <laughs> right, there's a lot of factors you have to deal with there. Um, oh, yeah. I, I'm, I'm guessing not everyone makes it in in the porn industry. Um, well, it's, you know, I mean, you got to look at it for what it is. I mean, you know, can any average man stand there with ten or fifteen crew, or even five crew, um, and mainly men staring at them, mm. get an erection, keep an erection, and fuck a girl whether she's into you or not, 
whether she's mm. interested in you or not, whether she's being nice to you or not, and maybe you're working in a 100-degree heat on a rock, or maybe you're in a freezing cold uh, uh, set where it's raining. You know, there's a lot of, you know, variables that can make it extremely different, difficult for any man to do it. Forget his hang-ups, forget her hang-ups, forget the situation and the cold and, and how he feels that day, if he ate enough, if he's turned on, if he's already had sex with someone that day or that night, if he had too much to drink that night. There's a lot of things that could go wrong. Um, so you really have to mentally be very, very, very much in a very safe, secure place in your head. Mm. And also, and I, I'm not going to lie, I don't think anyone really goes into this business and doesn't use some form of stimulants because mm. it's not possible. You know, it's just not, I mean, especially, maybe if you're an 18-year-old and you haven't had sex in your life and someone lays it out there on a plate and the girl's laying there, maybe you'll get through it pretty well mm. because you're so rampantly horny, you're fucking, fucking tree, tree stump. Right, right. But, when you get older and you've done the job for eight to ten years, it's not really as pleasurable as it once was. I'm not now so turned on as I used to be because obviously I have to be really into the girl and lucky enough I get women all the time. So it makes it a lot easier. Um, so, you know, there are many, many simulants that you can get. And, you know, you know, you've obviously got your standard, you've got your Viagra's, you've got your Cialis and all that's great. But of course, you know, that's a medication that initially it really kind of pumps you up, but it can give you headaches. It can make mm. you really red in the face. And I, I can't stand Viagra. It's extremely uncomfortable mentally. It, it makes me feel like I'm blowing up. Cialis is good too, of course. But then again, they're, over there. they're things that you have to be prescribed. Really, you want something you can get over the counter, whether it be online or whether it be in you know, one of the, the health food stores. You know, and a number of products I've come across that work. I mean, th there are so many different things. You know, there are products like you know, ginseng, biloba, maca, uh, triplus terrestris, all these things are brilliant, but you need them in one pill. And right. then it's finding the pill that works. Right. And the pills that I've been using that, you know, I've come across that are really, really good are the PHGH, which is a natural enhancement. That has all those things. You know, it has like the maca, mm. the, the ginkgo biloba, the, uh, I can't say, epi epidemium, horny goat weed as it's known, mm. DHEA, Tom yeah. Ali. Um, all these things your body really needs for so many different things. So when you combine them at the same time, when you're aroused, this really assists you in prolonging and being more strong in that situation. And, so, you know, I mean, again, there's lots of different things, but this is the one that I've, I've found that works pretty well. Okay. So it's with that, I'm just, I just want to make sure. So, so for, I mean, as guys, they have different problems, right? They, they, the guys at home, I'm obviously nothing oh. like the extreme conditions you've just described, uh, <laughs> which I think most guys would have a very hard time no matter stimulants or what. But, oh, um, so for the guys at home, they have, you know, typical problems would be, you know, maybe, sure. I mean, I have friends with these problems. Uh, I guess sure. it has sometimes to do with uh, age um, and others, but, you know, they're having trouble getting it up. I was actually quite surprised in, in my late 20s, um, I already had some friends talking about this and just, you know, if you, if you haven't had the problem, you're just kind of oblivious to the fact that it, you know, that that would be happening already. It's something you think that uh, happens to people what? when they're older or something, I guess. Um, but, you know, so would you, would you advise them to take these stimulants or are there other things that they could be doing if they have problems say, getting it, getting out? I would never be scared of taking a stimulant. I mean, God, let's face it, you, you eat food and food is there to basically give you energy and all that. And, and whether that's, 
you know, it's only because we know it's okay to eat because that's what we've done from the beginning of time. Mm. It's still a stimulant. It's still a form of nourishment that helps you survive, breathe, live, and the body replenish itself and the blood grow up and whatever. So a stimulant is no different. The, the things that are in there are things that are in certain foods anyway. You're just taking the things all at one place that from one plant or this plant into your body for a particular reason. And, you know, let's look at it this way. Every single man on this planet has no problem jacking off. Hmm. He gets up and he jacks off. There is never a man that goes, oh, man, I can't, get, I can't get myself off. I can't get myself hard. Bullshit. I never met a man, I never met a man that couldn't get himself hard. Hmm. But when you put him in front of a woman, now you have the pressure. Mm. Now you have the pressure of having to perform, and men generally can't perform because of the pressure, because they're trying too hard, they want to impress, they're scared, they're worried. That's what fucks most men up. It's not they can't do it because she leaves, he puts porn on, he knocks one out, great, three minutes flat, easy. Why? Why did he suddenly get hard for that? Because now he's on his own, he's comfortable in his surroundings, he's alone, he's turned on by the visual stimulation, he's fine. The, 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 the supplements... What that does is help him get up, stay up, and be a little more kind of relaxed in some cases. That's why people have drinks sometimes, to relax themselves. But then they can go too far with the drink, and then they get what we used to call in England as brewer's droop. Because now you've had too much, you've desensitized the body, your mind's a little bit not as sharp, and of course now you can't focus, and therefore you can't keep it up. So a drink is fine, but too many can go wrong. You know, so a stimulant of any description, especially one that contains like the stuff that PHDH has got in it, mm. is going to benefit you regardless who you are. It's going to help you. It's going to help you more than not having it. Let's put it that way. Um, so therefore, why not take it? You know, um, no one's going to know about it. She's not going to know about it. You know, at the end of the day, you drink protein shakes. Well, you could eat food, but you drink a protein shake. Why? Because it's quicker, it's easier, and you get the right amount of what you need in your body so you can go to the gym. So. I've never seen a problem with anything like that. You know, we want to be the best we can be, mm. then be the best you can be. Take what you need, you know, to do it. And as I said, most men, it's nerves that kills it every time. It's always nerves. Very rarely is it actually a physical problem in them. It's purely nerves. Right. It's psycho it's a psychological aspect. Psych and and that, that's what they have, to, they have to work on. They have to get over. And that is something that, although it can be taught, it's something that you still have to get over on your own. You can understand the problem because if you don't, if you understand the problem, you haven't, you have a way to attack the problem. Mm. If you don't know the problem, you're screwed because now you're blaming everything. What's this? Is it that? Is right. it this? Is it that? But if you know, okay, I'm nervous. I need to stop that. I need. How do I get unnervous? Well, I need to. Maybe let's let me talk to her for a little while. Maybe let's get used to being around her. Let maybe let's talk sexually and get worked up a while. Maybe she gets me hard for I even get my pants off. Mm. You know, maybe he's hung up because he thinks he's very small, and that is going to bother him. That's something that you know you have to learn to get over, and that and as long as you can perform and make a woman come by your fingers, by your tongue, mm. the, the sex doesn't matter. The woman cares about coming. She doesn't really care if anything goes in her to make her come. As long as she comes, it's the same as us. We don't care how we come as long as we do. Right. I mean, so, we love so same, we, we love blowjobs, right? I mean, yeah, of course. Some well, men will even like, love them over penetration. So exactly. So you know, that's the point. Is is focus on the best that you can do. And you know what? If you manage to have sex with her for three minutes and make her come once that way, but you've made her come three the other way, you've done a great job. It's not about fucking for hours. Anyone that says it is is a fool because it isn't. I've spoke to women. They're like, God, this guy just fucked me and fucked me. And I'm like, is he ever going to fucking come? And what? I mean, you hear that, you're like, well, fuck that. I ain't going to fuck her for hours. Why would I do that? Right. You well, know? yeah, I, I think that you know that might be one of the expectations that has been set from the porn industry or elsewhere. But when you hear guys talking 
uh, obviously these days, you know, they, you know, that when they're bragging in a pub or whatever, they'll they'll say we were at it all night. Uh, that, that that's typically what what you'll hear them bragging about. So, you know, what's your view on that? Should should we be aiming to make love all night, or you know, what what do you think's uh, the best scenario for the the pleasure for the girl? If we want to really I, her to remember us in the best way possible. I think honestly, if you can have sex for sixty minutes, mm -hmm. you're doing fucking well. You know, you're at the top of the chain when you're doing that. And just remember, you don't have to physically have sex for sixty minutes. You just have to physically be in bed, sexually touching, kissing, fingering, licking, fucking for 60 minutes. And in that 60 minutes, make sure that she comes a number of times. And that really is all you've got to do as a man. You don't have to have sex for two and three and four hours because that 60 minutes stops and then you have some food and then you watch a movie and then you fuck again for another 15 or 20 or another 60 minutes. That's how women want to have sex. Not drive them into the ground for five hours flat and then they can't walk the next day. That is not something any woman really wants. And any woman that says that is lying, right? That's not what she really wants. She wants to come and she wants to have it fun with it and she doesn't want to be torn up by a huge guy and she doesn't want to be beaten to a pulp by a huge guy. She wants to come and be comfortable and enjoy it. Mm. And, you know, you know, as I said, I've had sex with so many women who have had sex with men so much bigger than me you know, physically and whatever. And maybe that could have had sex with me even longer than me, possibly. And I've never had one complaint. So I really think what I do is the right way. So, I mean, it really sounds like you're saying that guys should not focus on time, but rather focus oh. on, say, orgasms. Like, is she, is, is she coming? Is she having an orgasm? Is she having multiple orgasms? I mean, imagine you fuck a girl for two hours and she doesn't come. Do you think she's going to be happy? She's going to be the opposite. Off. Just wasted two hours of my day beating up my pussy, and I haven't even got off yet. No, but if you make her come in three minutes flat, she's gonna be holy shit. That was awesome. Now I can still go shopping and come back and have another sex a session with you later on tonight. You know, I really people think there's so much put on time, and it really isn't. Time and size isn't insignificant. It's quality of what happens in that time, and how many times she comes, and how how you make her feel. Mm in that situation and in that time factor if you make her feel amazing like a queen treat her well make her come and not take up a whole day doing it i'm sorry but i think you're always going to be at the top of that tree and she's going to come back to you before she's going to go back to the guy that fucked her for three hours and didn't give her an orgasm <laughs> excellent well I, yeah. this this is great because you're you're really busting through a bunch of myths which i think a lot of guys you know it's what they they lie away thinking about at night and whenever the, it's probably it's probably what these kind of things that are making them nervous when when they go going to have sex and causing the problems in the first place that's the first thing they worry about. Like, oh my god, am I going to be a last? Is it? Am I going to this girl going to talk about me? Is she, am I going to be crap? Mm. Cool. I mean, guys, if you think that you already killed yourself, you're already you're already done. You're over. You know. Um, and at the end of the day, I, it, it's kind of I, I've got to give you an analogy that is totally different. I used to play darts. You play darts? A tiny bit in England, darts. yeah, I did. <laughs> I used to play darts, and I was shit in competition. But three or four in the morning when there's no fuck around, I could put three darts in a bullseye. Uh, yeah. No problem. Mm -hmm. Hands down. Because I didn't have the pressure. But when I did start playing tournaments and didn't give a shit about winning, I was a better player. So when you go into that situation with a woman, I'm not saying you don't give a shit, but don't focus on all that counts as I please. You know what? Have a good time. Mm -hmm. Give her a good time. Mm -hmm. Do not focus on 
oh my god, I've got to do it this way, and oh my god, I do it that way. No, because now you're overthinking a situation, and it's the same as in business. It's the same as anything. If you overthink and overplan, you will probably make a mistake. Right. And the idea is, you don't want to make a mistake. It's, sex is supposed to be great fun. It's supposed to be great pleasure. So enjoy each other, have fun with it, and utilize foreplay as much as possible before getting to penetrative sex because that's the only time when things can really go wrong. You can't mess up in, in foreplay if you just abide by a few little rules and play with the erogenous zones and turn her on and stimulate her and say the right things to her. That's the easy part. Getting it up, by that time you should be so turned on, you're already up. And then if you only last five minutes, that's fine. Or learn the pull-out technique. You know, the, you know, the whole point of all these, these 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 things we've been putting out in these seminars is to show that there are ways to utilize right. situations and bring them back and and be able to go back in again and and, and do well. And we use these in porn. You know, they're techniques I've used all my life. When a man in porn pulls his dick out and he's slapping it around the girl's pussy, 90% of the time he's doing it because he was about to come and he's trying to kill the sensation so he can carry on. People think it's all oh, he's really being clever and he's doing all this cool shit. No, that's his cheat to save his ass. Right. Yeah, I, I totally didn't realize that until I, I, I checked out your course yesterday. Um, I have seen that before, and I was like, "Wow, okay, all that time that that's actually you know a technique to to make this you know the, yeah. to make the movie work, right?" It's a technique to make the guy last longer because if yeah. he doesn't do it, he's going to blow a nut, and then we're going to have to wait thirty minutes so he can get up again. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, but it's, it's it's great little um, you know tricks like that. They're really, really uh, helpful. Thanks. So you know, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna round off here. I've got a couple of more questions uh, for you, but you know, thanks for being so you know authentic in your answers and like kind of blowing and blowing all of these myths away and everything. Uh, so I ask this of everyone who comes on the show: um, What would you tell a complete newbie to dating and sex, really hasn't got very much experience to focus on, to improve his lifestyle, you know, his dating and sex life as fast as possible? If you got three your three top recommendations, what would they be? I think the first one is obviously you're not going to get a girl into bed unless you get her into your bedroom. That's really the hardest mm. thing in the world anyway. Um, so your dating part of meeting women. Firstly, most men approach women the wrong way initially. You know, They're already throwing in compliments, which means the, the woman's defense mechanism hits up. They put the big wall up and they're like, okay, I've heard this a million times. Pick up line. Mm. Sometimes to try and treat a woman as an absolute equal like one of the guys – and talk about something totally nothing about her or sex, maybe the surroundings that you're in, and be just totally, totally natural with her in every way, mm. and really not try and pick her up. You know, do the opposite to pick her up. In fact, probably insult her might be easier, because then you're going to get her attention, to be mm. honest with you. You just have to know how to pull that back and make sure you can repair the damage that you've created. Um, and it's a technique I've seen work a million, a million times before. But just talk to them like an equal and make them think you're interested in them opposed to going and say hey nice shoes do you want to drink i mean straight away there's no woman that's going to give you the fucking time of day <laughs> right. it's just not going to happen you know and you know just say hello hi what's your name you know and and try not to do the come here often thing because that's been killed dead, done to death but you know and and just you know talk about well this service shit is really sucky in here i i haven't been afraid just, just be normal and that will get you at least a little bit closer to being in the door. So that's my first thing. Go in, treat her like an equal, be normal, be natural, don't be nervous, and just enjoy your conversation with her and treat her like a normal person and don't try and make her into a, you know, oh, my God, I've got to really wow this person because that's not going to work. That's going to do the absolute opposite. Hmm. So that's one. Um, the second in the respect of sex, 
when it comes to getting in the bedroom, don't rush anything. Do not rush it. Women know what you're after. And if you just put your hand, I've done it, trust me, I've been there, I've made the mistakes, I know what goes wrong. First thing I do, hands straight down the pants. I've probably not even kissed her yet and my hands in her pants. Big mistake. Mm -hmm. You just made her feel like the lowest of the low by trying to say, you know, all I'm in for is this what's between your legs. Big mistake. If you can let her put your hands down her pants, now you're on a winner. Mm. You know, and she will do that if you tease her and kiss her and be very, like, very against having sex with her in the beginning. Because if you can not have sex with her on the first night, she's going to think either there's something wrong with her or I've got to bring this guy back because he didn't, he didn't do what I wanted him to do. You know, not rushing is really a massive key into really having a woman that's going to want you back because most of the time, most guys, they just dive in for it and go in for the kill. And that can really turn a lot of women off. So focus on a lot more foreplay before even getting your hands down the pants and stripping her clothes off. Kiss, be nice, compliment, and then she will literally be the one that wants to push it further. Right. Yeah, I, I, you know, I think that's that, that's really great advice, and it conflicts with a, what a lot of people are saying um, in in the pickup artist industry, for instance. Uh, yeah. But you know, I agree. Like, I agree with you because um, it, it makes it more special if you do it that way. Um, and no, so, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm jumping in. Don't get me wrong. I have walked up a girl and just said, "Hey, do you want to fuck?" And it's worked. But you have to have a very high level of confidence and to, to pull that off. Right. So for Mr. Newbie, that's not the way to approach that. You know what I'm saying? You have to have confidence where the girl's like, I cannot believe this guy must be something for him to come out with that to me like that. Mm. You know, not the right place to do it. And again, for Mr. Newbie, not my thing. But I'm just saying, admittedly, I know what you're going to come up with. And I know these pickup guys have these certain ways. And yes, they can work and they do work. But for Mr. Newbie, that's probably not the right course of action. Mm-hmm. Excellent. And the last one, I guess, really, uh, when you do start having sex with a woman, con- you know, the, the contact, the kissing and the looking at each other, for me personally, is the biggest and the strongest thing for me. Because if you really want to make a woman to come, believe it or not, when you see pawns, everyone's a thousand miles away, the guy's got a 10-inch dick, he might as well be next door fucking her, mm. and they're very detached. But when you tighten up on a woman and you wrap your arms around her and the bodies are are totally together and the skin's together and the sweat's mixing around and everything's going really tight, that is what makes women come really, really hard. So for a newbie, don't try and adopt a porn stance and be lead back and lean back and look what's going on and blah, blah, blah. Mm. Wrap yourself up in her like she's the most important thing in the world. Hold her tight and fuck her deep and hard and basically keep keep that connection together. Maybe your mouth's whispering in her ear. Maybe you're biting on her ear or kissing her. That, for a newbie, you know, you give a woman that kind of experience, new or not, she is going to be overwhelmed and come back more. And, of course, give you those referrals that we all like to get. <laughs> I, I, I noticed that your last point is kind of chivalrous uh, as, as well, in a way. Well, uh, trust me, it's, if it didn't work, I wouldn't use it. <laughs> so, it may sound chivalrous it's because it works and even physically for me with my wife or anyone else when I have done that and I've done this on scenes and there's a bunch of scenes that you'll see on, on, on the uh, or, or pretty much quite a few of actually the stuff with people like Maddie Riley and that once you're in that intimate surroundings and you've got them like that you can hear it the orgasms are different yeah. it's, it's different entirely it's a different thing entirely excellent well thanks for those great points but the, the last, the last thing is like I just want to know what you've got going on. Like uh, you know, you've been working with two girls, mm-hmm. teach sex for yep. a, a few years now. Is it three years? 
No, it's been a while. Yeah, it's, I, I couldn't even put a time, but I think it's probably three years on and off. Yeah. Yep, yep. So, so you know, you, you've got you've got the squirting mastery out. Yep. You actually got two of those out, and you've got the the, the sixty minutes stamina. What what else have you got? Have you got other stuff out right now? And have we've you got, got anything else planned? You know, what, what's going on? We've got uh, we've got a bunch of different things working out. We just finished a few that I don't think you've even seen yet, which uh, I'm just getting the name because obviously the names are so beyond me sometimes. Um, we've worked on a couple of new projects that are really good and kind of that touched upon some of this actually. You know, kind of trying to re not reevaluate but re-explain to people that it isn't always about you know just about the sex, but we all want we wanted to teach them that if you are going to focus on penetration, this is how you do it. So we have a new product called uh, Penetration Orgasm Mastery. Mm -hmm. And the point of that is to show that when you do get into penetration, we can show you the best ways to make them come via, obviously, G-spot, deep spot, and clitoral at the same time, because you can combine all three at the same time in the same you know position. So the idea is to really utilize the, the penetration as a, another form of foreplay. In other words, foreplay is brilliant and it's all round and it's body and it's skin and it's there for everything you know can cumbersome but to when you most people just fuck and they have one level one speed one angle maybe even one position we're trying to show that that has so much more to give and of course you know on the back end of that we also went into female mind mastery which is another where we kind of explain what why women like this what turns them on why choke them why do this why do that and it really does break it down for people. And, uh, you know, I, I love doing it because, honestly, we don't get to do this in regular sex, you know, in porn movies. It, it, it's just, it doesn't, it's not important. But to be able to explain to people what makes a woman tick and hear it from a woman, you know, and see it, see me doing it to a woman and then having me explain to her, you know, why is this working for you? Well, because you did this and I like that and it turned me on, it made me do that. It really is, it's like a sequencing thing. It's like pressing a bunch of buttons and it tells you, you know, what why this works with the woman and of course it's extremely it's very very high quality the way we put this together you know and again as i said i'm lucky i feel very blessed that i've actually got to do this with a company that actually gives a shit about really giving the real story because most don't give a shit it's about oh yeah the visual is good and you know it's about sex and they good scene and that's, well, that, that, that's an interesting point to make because you know for the last 50 years there's been a lot of kind of sex education videos um, oh yeah you know and you know back in the day i, I watched those you That's know those bizarre. things and i i never really got them you know um it well because they didn't show you anything it was softcore which is great yeah and it was all fancy woman talking words making it all flashy but you couldn't really learn much from it i know i did some of the lovers guides i did some of them back in the day my mm. best friend did most of them mm. but they definitely was nowhere near as informative as this. Not even close. I mean, it's it's a different different product entirely. Yeah, it's, it's a, I mean, it's only the last five years or so that there's been this complete kind of flip, and it's a lot, it's a lot more practical. You know, there's a whole practical focus versus, I guess, yeah. before they didn't they they, they no, didn't just, they didn't want to be honest about the situation. Well, like they didn't sure. feel comfortable with being honest about actually what goes on. And, yeah, and I think that's the problem. I think, you know, and it, it took a company to realize that, you know what, people do want to learn, and maybe we need to really do a step-by-step -step guide and physically show you exactly what goes on and why it works, you know. And, you know, I'm I'm just happy that we, you know, found a company that really is happy to do that and allowed us as, you know, I guess, performers to show 
the the truth and what we know and what we've learned over 10 or 15 years of having sex with multiple women that we, we we actually have the answers you know not always the book does certainly not the doctor does and certainly not you know google does because we know from the ground up what works for us every single day when we walk on set so that has given the, the average guy that doesn't get to you know see this um the real truth behind what women want, why they want it, how it affects them, how it affects us, what works for the couple in general, and how to have a longer and a better lasting sexual relationship because you keep it spicy. You know, you never let your guard drop and, and, and just kind of give up and do the same position in the same night at the same time in the same place because that's monotonous. And monotonous and, and monotony not, does not give you a longer lasting love life at the end of the day. That's why people cheat. <laughs> totally, totally. And, you know, as we know, the divorce rates are pretty high and everything, right? So it's, uh, it's, it's pretty rampant. Uh, yeah. Well, Marcus, thank you for today. I know you have other stuff you've got to get uh, going on uh, down there mm -hmm. in, in Los Angeles today. So sure. uh, I'm not going to keep you, but uh, yeah, thanks you know, a lot. Uh, you know, I'm sure the guys listening to the show are going to really appreciate this interview and how truthful, you know, how straightforward you've been talking about all the myths and everything. So, you know, excellent interview. Thank you very much for coming on the show. Well, pleasure to talk to you, and I hope you know I hope the guys listen and and, and, ut and utilize it and help. Hope it helps them in their sex life. Dating skills, questions, and answers. Today we have a question from Simon. This is a question. Hey Angel, thanks for the show. I'm getting a lot out of it. This is a question I really don't know who to ask, so I hope you guys can help. I'm 22 years old and not sure about the whole penis size thing. The reason I ask is that I'm a bit self-conscious about this and not sure how I measure up against other guys. How much does penis size really matter to women anyway? How big of a handicap is it in sex? Is there something I can or should be doing to compensate for a small penis if I have one? It's normal for guys to wonder about this. Unless you've got an obviously large one, every guy thinks about this at some point. And a lot of guys think they are actually less than the average size because they compare themselves to porn movies, for example. Porn presents really extreme body types as the norm, but most people don't know that. It's, it's all just part of the show. This is similar to the point Marcus made in today's interview about women that are extreme squirters being used in porn a lot. It's the movies, it's not real life, right? So that's one point. On top of all of that, of course, there's the whole penis growing pills, devices, and surgery industry, which is, is pretty big. And surprise, surprise, you know, it does a lot of marketing online. A lot of people see these kind of ads. And of course, it is a lot of bullshit, right? And uh, it's, it's really just playing up on male insecurities and trying to sell them crap that doesn't work. Or, you know, where some of this stuff is actually dangerous, you know, the pills and, and the surgery, not good ideas, and an absolute waste of money and time. So, that's dealt with that. All right, now let's get to the serious stuff. Like, this is really not a, a problem at all uh, when, when you get down to the reality and the practical realities. And you have a look at some of the scientific research behind it, which I'm now going to get into so, this is all good news. So, first of all, let's put concerns to rest by getting some certainty about how you measure up. Are you too small? Are you average? Or maybe you're big, right? Well, let's look at the data. So, if you look at the studies that have been done today, there's a lot of decent data on this. And what it says is that if you, when you are non-erect, so if you, when your penis is non-erect, 
An average penis will measure between 3.5 inches and 3.9 inches. That's 9 to 11 centimeters. All right. When you're erect, this changes to around 5 to 6 inches. So, so when you're erect, an average is 5 to 6 inches long. And that's 12.5 to 15.5 centimeters. So if you're really, you know, if you're really concerned about it, you can take out a ruler and check that out. All right. The second thing, and this is way more important, is that where it comes to pleasuring a woman, aka giving her orgasms, because that's the most important thing, size doesn't really come into it. No matter your size, you see, you are able to stimulate the most important parts of the vagina and give the girl an orgasm. That's the G-spot and the clitoris. So physiologically, there is no barrier. Even if you have a smaller than average penis, you can still access those areas and give women exactly the same types of orgasms. The kind of caveat to this and what you should be aware of if you are a bit smaller is that, you know, there are positions where you aren't going to be able to give as much stimulation to the G-spot consistently if you are smaller. And there are other positions where you have easier access and it's relatively easy to do it consistently no matter your size, right? So that's what you've got to go for. You've got to go for the easier positions where you have more access. Just become aware of that and, you know, and, and stick to those positions when you want to get the girl orgasm and you'll be fine. Okay, so the, the final point here is, you know, do girls, when, when they're looking at you, do they find you more attractive depending on the size of your penis, right? And there's actually an interesting study that came out on this uh, just recently. It hadn't really been done before or hadn't been done properly. So it's interesting to look at it. Also, the, the interesting fact here is that they compared it against other, other important physical traits. So you may have heard of, of course, height. You know, women like taller men. This, this, is, this is true. So in, in a study, women like taller men than themselves, right? So that's a physical trait that actually does make a difference. The other trait which makes a difference is the shoulder-to-waist ratio. So this is basically what people call the V-shape. And it's where you have broad shoulders and a thin waist. And it makes like, you know, it looks like a V-shape from the back in particular. So this is this is proven by lots of research to be to be very attractive women. And what this study did is it compared those two attributes, height, the V shape, and penis size, to kind of get an idea of which one was the most important and you know how they compare against each other. And they did this they did this in a clever way, uh, better than the studies that have been done before. Studies typically use surveys of women. They give them questionnaires and they ask them questions. The problem with that is that most women will not tell you honestly what they actually think, right, in these surveys. Because it's just a sensitive subject. So most women aren't going to say, oh, I love big penises, for example. It's just, you know, it's just not something that a lot of women are, are happy with saying. Some, some, they're happy with it, but others aren't. So those surveys are, you know, and in the marketing field, what, what, that's what's known as there's, there's a lot of bias in those surveys. So, you know, take them with a pinch of salt. Me personally, I just throw them all out the window. Because uh, I think I think it's bad data. However, this this study was a little bit better. What better? What they did was they built these 3D models of of males with the different attributes. So taller, different types of Vs or no Vs, and uh, different penis sizes, right? And they just showed these pictures to the women and asked them to rate them. And they did this with lots of iterations with lots of different women. 
So it's, it's a better study because, you know, they're not asking direct questions about the penis or anything. They're just asking them what they think. And honestly, the women kind of, it's more like a subconscious thing. Yeah, this guy's better. Yeah, this guy's higher rank. But they're not really thinking about, they don't think, oh, this guy's got a bigger penis, right? So it's actually a, a better kind of uh, study that way. And it's interesting because what they actually came back with are three points. First of all, attractiveness did increase with penis size significantly up until the unerect penis length reached about three inches. So what we're saying is basically up until around the average, which is just below the average. So if you are smaller than the average, it does make a difference, right? Increasing the size of your penis up to the average makes a big difference. After that, it didn't make really a big difference at all. So that was the first interesting thing. And it, if you guys, have, if you do have a small penis, don't worry, it's not the end of the world, we'll get to that. Um, height was more important than penis size. So if you're taller than a girl, that was more important, right? That weighed more heavily. Third thing, the shoulder to waist ratio was also more important. So the V was more important than penis size. And what this meant overall is the result is that if you did have a smaller penis, say less than the three inches when it's non-erect, but you have a V-shape and or you were taller, it made a lot less difference to how attractive you were, right? Also, if you weren't attractive, so if you're not tall, right, and you don't have the V-shape, having a huge penis doesn't really help you. So it's, it's saying that it's a factor, but it's really not that much of a big factor, especially when you compare it to these other two attributes. So... If you want to make a difference to how physically attractive you appear to women first off, and by the way, most women aren't going to be seeing you know, your, your penis as soon, as soon as you meet, you know, in the bar, in the street, whatever. That's kind of covered up, but what they can see is your height and your V-shape, right? So these things are visually accessible straight away, and you know, practically there's not really any girl that's going to screen you or you know, try and say, oh, that guy, he's not good enough for me because I can see he hasn't, doesn't have a big penis, right? So if you think about that also in a practical term, right, really the V-shape and then the height are, if you want to focus on physical attributes, they're the things that you want to be more interested in because you can actually. Then the interesting thing about the V-shape is that you can control that. You know, everyone can control that. And it's simply a matter of getting down to the gym, getting, getting onto a course of, of some weights, which is going to build up your shoulders and, you know, and slimming down if you need to lose some of that weight around the waist. So it gives you that nice V shape. From, from the height perspective, uh, what, what you can do is if you really are that much shorter than the girls you're chasing, well, you can do the Tom Cruise thing, which is you can get discreet, height increasing shoes so these things basically have kind of like a built-in insole if you don't know them um, and they raise you up but it does it discreetly because outside the shoe looks pretty much the same but inside it's actually raising you up a bit so you know celebrities and so on take this approach and you can too and you know i, I think there's nothing wrong with that. That, that, that that's fine and it just helps you make that first impression uh, a bit better so that's all good all right well the interesting thing uh there's a couple of interesting books and stuff uh, related to this. The first one is uh, the psychology of physical attractiveness. So if you're actually, you know, if you're interested in this whole physical side of making a first impression and you like getting into deep into the research, this guy, Viren Swami, has basically done most of the research and he wrote a book which overviews it a couple of years ago. So it's not 100% up to date, but it covers nearly everything. Um, it's a really technical and deep read. So I only get this if you, you know, if you're into science and you like digesting that kind of stuff. I do, you know, but I'm a bit geeky like that. 
So, you know, that, that's one. Um, the other thing, which is actually more practical and more useful, and you are interested in like leveraging this V shape, but you don't know how to go about it. Maybe, you know, you don't know much about fitness training or so on. There's, a, there's an interesting course which was developed to give you this exact shoulder to waist ratio, the ideal one, and leverage that. And it was called originally Adonis Index. Uh, it has recently been rebranded to Adonis Golden Ratio. And that's a, you know, it's basically a weights course which is designed to help you build up your body um, to get that ideal V ratio. So, to sum up on the penis size issue. Number one. If you're 3.5 to 3.9 inches, or actually if you're just over 3 inches, non-erect, your average, and you really don't have to worry about this. You know, based on the research, it's not going to make that much difference. All right, done. Two, if you are smaller, so if you're below three inches, that does not prevent you from giving women orgasms, which is what actually counts. So you can overcome any issues by using different positions to make sure you're stimulating the G-spot and the clitoris properly. Done, right? That solves the problem. Three, Having an attractive V-shape shoulder-to-waist ratio and being taller is more important when it comes to visual attractiveness to women than penis size, right? So if you're going to focus on something, then focus on that to make your first impression. And as I said, there's some courses or you can just get down to the gym and so on um, to get that. So what's nice about that, you know, you can actually control those things to, to an extent safely without getting into all of those uh, crazy pills and surgery and whatnot. And that's a wrap for today's episode. To get the show notes, the mp3 download of the show, the transcript, or links to the resources mentioned in the show, just go to datingskillsreview.com slash episode 35, episode 35, and it's all there for you. Also, let me know what you think about the show in the comments on that page. I feel like this show is still really a baby podcast, but it has a lot of potential. So we're at episode 35, but we're going on 100, and I'm constantly looking at how to improve it every single show. So I love any type of constructive feedback. So what do you love? What do you hate? Who do you want on the show? What else do you want on the show? Just let me know and I'm going to take that feedback and I'll run with it and I'll make this show the best possible show possible. Possible, possible. <laughs> when you get a chance, come over to that URL, datingskillsreview.com slash episode 35 and let me know what you think in the comments. Thanks. Have you got your Fast Track manual yet? It's a free learning manual to guide you through the maze of dating, sex, and relationships advice as fast as possible. It has been designed from the ground up to get you results ASAP. So don't start your journey without it. Go to datingskillsreview.com slash fast track. That's all one word. And download it for free right there. Dating Skills Podcast is brought to you by DatingSkillsReview.com, the number one men's source for dating, sex, and relationships advice. Get the cutting-edge advice now and create your ideal dating lifestyle.